0: Hello, this is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to the Working With People by PaveStem. The Working With People podcast is for executives, managers, and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. Lisa's here with us today. How are you, Lisa? I'm great. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for being here. Where are you calling in from today? I'm calling in from Prior Lake, Minnesota,
1: a suburb of Minneapolis.
0: Nice. Any fun plans for the holiday break?
1: Well, it's winter here, so, you know, depending (laughs) on whether we have snow or not, it'll be like possibly outside activities, but always weather's a big factor in the Midwest in December, so we play that a little bit by year in Minnesota.
0: Gotcha. Awesome. So today we're going to be talking about talent gap in data insights and analytics, why it's important and how to address it. But before we dive in, tell us who you are and what you do. Thank you.
1: I'm Lisa David. I'm a partner at eCapital Advisors and eCapital Advisors is a firm that specializes in helping our customers empower your business through actionable insights with your data and analysis. So we help our customers in a variety of ways, whether that's business modeling, what if and scenario forecasting, whether that's advanced analytics around actionable insights, predictive analytics, data science, robotic process automation. And then advisory roadmaps, helping them on their journey of data.
0: Awesome. So a little bit more technical than what I do, I think. (laughs) So data insights and analytics. I think there's a lot of big words and a lot of hot topics around the data insights and analytics, big data. And I think a lot of people have definitely heard about them. I just don't know if we're all familiar as you are familiar around what they really are. What is data insights and analytics in your mind?
1: Data insights and analytics is really just that ability to see what's happening in the business at a granular enough level so that you can make confident decisions about that. So if you think about this right now, we're in the holiday season. So what, you know, what comes to mind is the retailers, the spike grocery industry right now in 2020. So it's for them to understand, not just at like a, how much revenue did each store produce yesterday? It's like down to like the skew level. What is flying off the shelves? What is the insights of what is really the hot products yesterday? What didn't meet my objective or target that I had expected based on the revised forecast? And we've had such a spike in the e-commerce world say with people ordering online. So it's understanding that insight and the analytics needed to really drive the profitability and like needle movers of that specific industry.
0: Gotcha. So I think the importance is very clear, right? Of course, when it comes to data and analytics and these insights, can you give us a little bit, a few other tangible examples how they can be used on a day-to-day basis internally for companies?
1: The real key item here is you would never plan your business at this level. You would never have a forecast that would be down to the skew level, but tangible examples are like retailers being able to know, like I said, not just that electronics was this amount of revenue yesterday, but what skew? Am I buying the rose gold Apple Watch? What is actually the skews? So then it helps them align the supply chain and then run mm-hmm. like the predictions of what's going to happen for the next few weeks or months for sales because there's just moving categories. People's lives are changing. It gives them that insight to really make a different decision because that affects what they put on sale, they put on right. promotion, what they maybe have on, in certain geographies, um, we have retailers that know with this insight now, they can say, Oh, well, this state's buying this category. So then when you get to their website, that's what's being highlighted. So it's like putting all the pieces together right. and not so reactionary. So what happened previously to this is they would not have had the lens to see it mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a timely enough fashion to act on it within the month. So like, if you think about that, you know, we're heading up to the Christmas and, and the shopping season here. So it's like knowing this information on December 16th can then help drive a promotion already for December 20th. What happened in the past is our retailers would have to wait. They call it the Monday report. And after every week in retail, you'd have to spend hours figuring out what happened right. last week in that retail environment. Right well, now you can have a daily report saying here's what's happening. You could have an hourly. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be, But I mean, just think about that shift of insight where everybody's waiting for this Monday report. Sometimes the retailers, it was not just even the Monday report. It was three weeks afterwards they'd figure it out, like Mm -hmm. what happened last month. It didn't let them optimize inventory, supply chain, promotions, the marketing, what's next. So just all these areas of insight really provide a very granular lens that was something that companies did not have previously.
0: Right. That affects kind of really everything that an organization does, right? Even your examples around which SKU or which item was the most popular. That translates to some actions with your supply chain or your sourcing team, which also translates to kind of what you just discussed around marketing or promotions. And then like, Um, you can go
1: to a whole other industry level. And we're working with a financial services company that has a lot of credit card, mm -hmm. different private label credit cards for stores then they can actually see, okay, who's actually using the credit cards right? because then they can predict charge-offs, which is very valuable in that industry. I mean, the accuracy to predict credit card charge-offs as well as partner with their marketing team to say, these are the customers actually using these credit cards, so they should get the promotions, not just the blanket approach to promotions. It's that dialed in, really knowing this 360 degree view of that customer so that you can have decisions on it.
0: Right. So that absolutely makes sense. And analytics, there's pulling these insights, right? These are very, sometimes they can be very technical skills. And of course, you've got some other layers of like problem solving and critical thinking as well. But who do these skills really apply to? Is it really just like IT and technical analysts?
1: I think it is more from the business analyst side. So the business analyst side of what's really shifting from a perspective of being the reporter of what happened in the past hmm. to being like the data curiosity engine. I, I really kind of equal analytics to data curiosity that it is specific to that company that then helps them partner with their business teams on whatever function they lay, they're a part of. So, but I think it's really more the business analyst is the opportunity. If you can think about the universities, when those of us graduated from college, we only had the pillars that existed to major in, so finance, econ, right, accounting. Right there was no double major of business analytics at that time. Now that's the real trend is that you can major in any of the business colleges and partner with that, that business analytics. And what that is doing at the collegiate level is teaching you how to do that data curiosity analysis that really is where I see the value of analytics. It can go way more layers once you get that set up to the machine side, the data science side. So then where you take the Insight and you start adding the algorithms onto that where you add that advanced layer, but it's right. that curiosity. It's a broad term. It means a different thing to most people, but I really, it's that actionable data curiosity that is meaningful to that company.
0: Right. And it's interesting because I think a lot of kind of what you're talking about have been a very, very hot topic in a layer of functionality or expertise that HR and talent professionals have tried to implement in the last several years when it comes to kind of people analytics, right? Mm -hmm. And I talk to a lot of, whether it's clients or partners or just people in the industry doing this stuff, and there's really some cool things out there where you can start predicting people's productivity or their engagement or their retention. Any cool examples that you've come across in the past related to talent? Because I feel like people are one of the hardest areas (laughs) to get good data on.
1: (laughs) Oh, there's a lot of great information. To your point, there's a lot of Drivers and metrics that you can analyze on the people side that will tell you, here's your at-risk employee. And what's really cool about it today is instead of just having a retention program for all employees, you really just need to hone in on, here's what the data is telling me the at-risk employees are. So then I have the, that's where I, the HR professionals then can really hone in the talent retention on that group that appears at-risk. Yeah. And I mean, it really depends on the type of company, the, what factors they are, but the survey ratings, how well they like their manager. And I mean, there's just all these metrics that kind of come with it. Also, there's a lot of labor where you can optimize, okay, should this person be working on this project because it drives mm. their passion? Or I mean, there's a lot in the talent arena that is really changing because of analytics.
0: Right. And even something simple as optimizing shifts, right? Like yeah. people's shifts for part-time employees and things like that. Yeah, I've heard of some really cool you know, analytics. Like even working
1: with like hospitals on overtime where they were like, how come I'm spending all this money in overtime? Well, it's because (laughs) again, that shift optimization wasn't happening. We've worked with colleges on aligning professor scheduling correct for student demand. Not everybody wants to take the 8 a.m. class. You know, (laughs) that optimization of, you know, staffing of even the class schedule is really powerful in higher education as well.
0: Awesome. So when it comes to the data analytics as a skill, I think it's really becoming a fundamental skill for many professionals. And I think when you talk about business analysts, I think it's generally a pretty broad term that can be applied in any kind of different functions, right? You could have an analyst that is looking at talent issues or finance issues or sales issues or whatever it may be. But it feels like, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you know, there's a talent gap there of the amount of analytics that companies can run based on all this rich, rich databases that they have versus the actual capability from a talent perspective. And if that gap does exist, right, like what are some ways that people can actually start addressing that more and more effectively?
1: I think the good news is you can learn it at any age and any part of your career. Mm. It's, you know, businesses don't transform, people transform. It's teaching them that ability to not just do things just because they've done them that way for 20 years. It's like, okay, let's talk about the why now, the why to the business model, what drives this business model. And if I had the data to see it, what data would make it easier to make be confident about decisions for the business. So it's really teaching that brain of what outcome are we looking for? And again, what am I data is going to meet that objective of the outcome. Instead of, like I said, the rear view lens, it's, it's having that ability to really turn on that curiosity and the why.
0: Right. So
1: that they're just not coming into their office or their home office and just doing things the same and just moving like data gathering or data gymnastics. Right. They're actually taking themselves up a level to say like, okay, these are the product lines that make the company the most margin. So what could I see differently that would actually help me even make increase in revenue? and increase in profitability. So it's like really teaching that skill is what is the process. I think there's a lot of like training classes that could be done with a corporate team to help them kind of bring on this skill, even if they didn't have, like I said, a specific education on it in their when they got to the company. So I think there's a lot of things that can move and change to really drive like an
0: innovation and an analytic culture in an organization. Right. And I think, Something that you just mentioned really resonated with me when you said ask the why. Mm -hmm. And one of my mentors in the previous life, his mantra was like, you always have to ask so what and why three times before you get close to a good answer.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. People gravitate so much to the what, the how before the why, and it should be the why first, to your point. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing that's really nice is There was a lot of manual tasks that almost prevented this type of thinking. Right. And now we're able in business to automate some of those manual tasks and really make a digital workforce for those manual tasks so that I can liberate that talent and say, oh, you don't have to do the manual tasks Mm -hmm. anymore. There's a software robot that'll do those manual tasks. Let's have you focus the skill on the why. So I think that's also helping. Automation is real. And it's not a concept that might be 10 years down the road. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's not, it's fiction. It's actually real. And I think it really helps our business teams change that culture to really a data analytic culture at the company.
0: Perfect. Those are all the big questions I had. Anything that come to your mind that you want to finish off with? I think the best part of my job is obviously to partner with our customer teams and see the
1: before and the after once they have this insight. I mean, it is so fun to watch the ability to drive this into the culture and then what it does for the company. The ROI is so fun to be a part of just to help empower them and liberate them
0: as a business team. Awesome. One last fun question for you in the spirit of supporting small businesses and local businesses, any one business that you want to give a shout out to any company,
1: well, like we talked about it, I didn't realize how much I loved restaurants throughout this pandemic. Yeah. So it's like, so I want to shout out supporting any of your local independent restaurants that have provided great food to you in the past. Please support them. Keep them going until 2021 so we can all be back enjoying in-person dining.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's funny how we really treasure these simple things in life when they're taken away. <laughs> right. Absolutely. This is great. Thank you so much for your time here, Lisa. Where can the audience find you and your thought leadership?
1: You can find me on LinkedIn at Lisa David and with eCapital Advisors. Otherwise, our website is www.ecapitaladvisors.com. And we'd love to hear from you. If you're looking for further education on how to kind of demystify this, we're happy to help and reach out. Love to hear from you.
0: Well, everyone, thank you for listening to Working With People by PaveStep. Feel free to check out other episodes on pavestep.com slash podcast. Thank you, Lisa.